Welcome to the Rainbows and Rain podcast, the podcast for early interventionists. My name is Erica, and I'm an early intervention teacher in Minnesota. This podcast is about connecting through stories and reflecting on our practices during visits. Hear how I try to put best practice and research to work on the road and on real visits, and how I sometimes find humor in it all. I hope this podcast helps you connect and reflect on your own visits and interactions with families. The podcast is on Instagram, so you can check it out on Instagram at rainbows underscore rain underscore podcast. I've really enjoyed interacting with all the people on Instagram that are listening. So thank you so much. Um, I really, truly feel like it's stories that connect people. And it's one thing to learn from your own experience, but it's a whole other thing to learn from somebody else's experience. And that's what I love to hear about whenever I go to training or staff development or I'm in teaming. I just, I really enjoy listening to what people are doing and how they're doing it. So thank you for tuning into the podcast and we are into episode 24 now. I did put a preview on Instagram letting you guys know that it is raining on the podcast. So Rainbows and Rain is about using weather as a metaphor for what's happening on our visit. So sometimes we are experiencing those rainbows and seeing those efforts pay off after some of those really stormy visits where there, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. It's pretty heavy. Um, and we see that we see our efforts pay off, but then, you know, before that it, it's the rain, right? It's the rain and the storms and, Uh, that's when growth happens. So embrace the rain, embrace the struggle is what I say, because that's, uh, that's where you'll see change and that's where you'll see growth. So, um, it is raining on the podcast today. I've just had a lot of, I've had rainbows. Don't, don't get me wrong, but, um, I've had just some interactions lately that I've just, I, I would say a little bit rainy, but I'm hoping they lead to some growth and some change. So I've podcasted about this visit and this family before. Um, if you've listened to Great Expectations 1 and Great Expectations 2, uh, this will be uh, sort of a follow-up to that. So not much has changed in that scenario. Okay, so you'll have to go back to get the full picture of what's been going on in the in the. Uh, in the visit, but it's again, it's Minnesota, and the weather is the actual weather is nicer outside. So we're trying to get outside, trying to you know do some outdoor things uh, with families because families don't just stay indoors, and families don't just play on the living room floor. So I really like to get out as much as I can and go where families want to go, and families leave their house. So intervention can happen anywhere. You can work work on skills anywhere. So this particular family that I've been working with, it's been really difficult to get mom to engage in the visit. So that is the abbreviated version of what's been going on. So, but now that it's nice out and he's going to be turning three this fall and transitioning to a classroom this fall, I 
asked her because she talked about how she goes outside and how they go for they go on walks, they go to parks. And I said, that's great. You know, we could always meet at a park and work on things at the park. And hopefully that would get her to maybe stay in the visit and kind of be more present for the visit if we were at a different location. So I fully believe like once a behavior has become so or routine, behavior routine, whatever you want to call it, has just become so problematic it needs to be completely flipped on its side to change, um, to get real change. So I'm like, okay, we're we're gonna do this. We're gonna we're gonna leave the house. We're gonna get out, and hopefully we'll get more engagement from mom. So it was really nice on Friday. The sun was out, and I texted her before our visit, and I said, "How do you feel about meeting at a park?" Because we had already talked about it. And, you know, we were just kind of waiting to make that call based on the weather and stuff. And she said, sure, great, where? And I'm like, oh, perfect. So we met at a park uh, at one of our early childhood sites uh, because the, the, the playground is gated. So I thought that might be helpful for her if, if it was fenced and gated and small and kind of designed for, for him. He's two. And... Not a whole lot changed, I'll be honest. I did I did interact with my student. I did interact with mom. It was really difficult to get mom to interact with her son and kind of create that triad, right? That, you know, where you're facilitating the early, the, the intervention piece, right? So it's either me and the child or me and mom, but it, pretty much rarely is me, mom, and the child. I've learned to just be okay with that because that's, you know, I'm not going to judge her, shame her. Um, And again, she received early intervention services with her older son. So maybe this is just how it was. Um, It didn't happen where I work. Um, Came, she came from another, another district. So a lot of just different factors going on. I've just learned to kind of accept that this is where mom's at and I will continue to try and pull her in and I will continue to coach mom. I will continue to model with the child and I will continue to try and and create more of that triad. The playground was fun though. The park was fun. Um, mom often kind of sat to the side looking at her phone sometimes and sometimes she did engage him. He was a lot more cautious than I thought he would being outside his home environment. This is the first time me seeing him and he was a lot more cautious. He needed a lot of help motor planning, even up a two-step ladder. Um, this playground was designed for two and five-year-olds, so um, very appropriate equipment for him. Uh, needed lots of motor planning. And once he was comfortable with one thing, he had a really difficult time trying anything else. So uh, we worked on a lot of different things, but um, there was this like sensory table, but it wasn't like filled with anything. So it was just a plastic, large, bolted to the pavement kind of sensory table thing. And going all the way around it was the alphabet. And I 
assume you guys know where I'm going with this. He started, and this is a this is a little guy who's pretty much he's not nonverbal, but he's not he's not using his words to communicate. He's using some gestures. He's using some eye contact. We've got some imitation going on. He is saying numbers. He is counting. Um, he is doing some things in songs, but for the most part, his verbal skills are pretty limited. So he, I showed him the table and he kind of, because there were some imprints of like animals and, and just different things. So I thought he'd be interested in, in looking at that and we could work on some language that way. Well, he pointed, started pointing to all the letters and he started saying every single letter and he did every single letter in order, pointed to every single one. Mom had no idea he knew the alphabet. I had no idea he knew the alphabet. And then um, I said, well, he knows it in order. I wonder what would happen if we asked him, what is this? And pointed to a different letter, not in the sequential order. It's laid out there. And she started doing it. And so she, what is this? What is that? Um, what's this letter? And he was jumping around with her and he was saying, saying the letters. So that was, that was cool. That was a huge rainbow. Mom was, mom was super happy, just clapping and jumping. She's very animated. She's a very animated person. Um, and she just couldn't believe that he knew all the letters and I was celebrating with her. This is something to celebrate because it's something he's saying. It's he's talking, he's using his voice. And honestly, she's asking a question and he's answering it, which is huge. So that was really, really fun. Um, and then we had to work on leaving the playground park area. And that took some problem solving between me and mom. So that was a great kind of coaching experience. Like, what do you think we should try? What do you think is going to get him back to the car? Should we try away again? Um, that was something we had at the building. Um, what ended up, he was not about the wagon. He did not want to push it. He or pull it or ride in it. But the bubbles worked and it was her doing all the work to kind of get him back to the car. So uh, long story short, uh, did the outdoor playground visit totally change the structure of the visit? No, not really. But but it was different. It was something different to do. Um I even said to mom, I said, hey, if he likes being outside and you guys like being outside, we can do visits in the backyard. I know she's got a fence. She's got a fenced in backyard. And she said, yeah, we could. I said, absolutely. So I think I'm trying to kind of, I know we're, you know, you know, we're supposed to be what's the child interested in, right? Like using those motivators. But I think sometimes we need to use what motivates the parents. And if she really enjoys being outside and going outside and it's difficult coming in, then let's do that. Let's work on that. Let's go outside. Let's work on leaving and coming in and and all of those transitions. So through this kind of little bit rainy, cloudy visit, I mean, there was some sun to um I think about that, like this, something needs to change. 
environment needs to change. The place needs to change. Something needs to change if I want something different to happen on this visit. And that's what I kind of took from that on Friday. I'm going to switch gears here a little bit. I've talked a lot about on the podcast coaching family members and things like that, but we should also be using our coaching skills when it comes to team members. And I had the opportunity to do this last week. I had a conversation with a team member. So where I work, we operate on a primary service provider model. So if you're familiar with that model, I think most people use that model, uh, but it's where one team member is selected to be that primary person, that primary point of contact going out with support from the other team members. And team members will come out on joint visits as needed. So as a teacher, and I'm speaking from the teacher perspective here, I feel like we get a lot of, we'll say, at least from my perspective, the harder kids or kids with multiple needs or kids with severe disabilities or things where there's just multiple areas going on. So, and then you'll have support from OT and speech and PT and that kind of thing as needed. Uh, I'm very lucky where I work, where we have early intervention OTs and PTs that only do early intervention. So I think that's really cool. And speeches too. So, but uh, yes, I was having a conversation with a colleague who is new to early intervention, um, not new to the field of special ed and ECSE, but new to early intervention. And I had to really listen to what her concerns were. I had to really listen to what her feelings are and try and put my coaching hat on and not just tell her like, well, this is how it is and this is this is what we do and this is this is just how we do it. But really try and um, have a reflective conversation about why she feels, things should look different or be different. So when it comes to speech and communication, I feel like, and this is me as a teacher, that's where my role and the speech, the speech's role really overlap a bit, especially at this stage in development and this early, um, it can go either way with a teacher or a speech working on that communication thing. So I feel like our roles really kind of blend together. What is different about early intervention, though, that's different about school? At school or in preschool, when they make that transition, it really is about how how are they going to function in the classroom? What, what kind of routines are you going to set up in the classroom? And how are they going to communicate with their peers and, and the adults and, and all those things in the classroom? When we're in the home, though, it really needs to be parent-focused and family-focused. So it's all about balancing your priorities or your thoughts or your ideas about what what should be happening with what the parent wants to have happen. And so that that was something we were talking about and we were having a really great reflective conversation about it 
And it was interesting to kind of just sit back and listen. And it was a very respectful conversation. And I think there's a lot more growth and a lot more work to do when it comes to working as a team and and being a team when it comes to new team members who come in. But um, I really had to practice that listening and just that reflection of, well, why do you think it should be that way? Or what what are you struggling the most with? Or how can I help you? So it was almost like those same questions I would use with a family I was using with her. And they were, it really helped me kind of see where she was coming from in that respect. So it wasn't a super sunny (laughs) rainbow, um, everything's all good type of conversation. But it was, I think it did set the stage for more conversations to come about what each other's role is. And I'm definitely a person that takes the lead from the parents. And my goal is always, how can I improve the relationship, the skills, the just quality of everything going on in the home? Um, based on what the parent wants to work on. And I'll use the example of pecs because I feel like that's that's come up a couple of times this last week for me in different scenarios. If parents aren't ready, if parents aren't willing, try something else. It isn't the end all be all to communication. So, oh my gosh, I hope I don't get a whole lot of hate mail for this. But if parents aren't going to use it and, you know, it's only going to happen during the visit, during your floor time, during your living room time for your visit, then what is the point? How is that helping the parent? How is that helping the child throughout the week? How is that improving their communication throughout the day, throughout the week with their caregivers? So again, just kind of, I feel like I'm a person that's very simple and I want to know the quickest and fastest way to do something, right? And the easiest way to do something. And kids are like that when it comes to communicating and parents are like that when it comes to solving problems, right? They want quick, easy, and fast, And gestures and objects, I feel like that gets really skipped over. Like, oh, let's let's jump to a communication system. And I'm more of a person where it's like, no, let's back up. Let's just can we use just what's available to us right now and let's start there. Expanding gestures, using objects, making choices. I think that's where everything kind of starts. Um, And I I was trying to have this conversation with the speech about balancing all that. And yes, he could be doing more. Yes, he could probably be using a communication system. And yes, he probably would be really successful at it. However, parents, they liked the strategies they were putting in place. They liked what they were doing. They felt successful it was functional, 
and it worked. So to get them to try and do something different was going to be really, really difficult when they already had a system in place, even though I think the ultimate goal in this conversation was, well, that's what he'll be using in preschool. We're not in preschool right now. We're in the home and we have this small opportunity, the short opportunity to really empower families to do the work, to figure it out, to help their child be advocates for their child. Because some of these families will be in special ed the year, their entire um, career their, their child is in school. So this is the opportunity we have right now to teach them those skills. So between that conversation and thinking about my last visit I just shared with you guys, that mom is not, I could not introduce Pax with that mom. We, we have tried some different AT things um, and the child has just not responded very well to it um, or been interested in it. Um, and mom, the follow through isn't there a whole lot. So again, it's like what's fast, what's easy, what's functional. And that's kind of been my motto with a couple of families who are less engaged than they typically would be. Um, I'm going to share a different story that I heard last week from another teacher. And we were talking about this. And she said, I had a family who was all about pecs, visuals, bring it on. They wanted to do it. Um their son has autism. That's definitely, um, you know, a system that works for a lot of children with autism. It's definitely a communication system. It's, you know, it's definitely got a lot of good things to it. And they, they were like full bore, like, yeah, let's do it. Bring it on. And they did. And the family discovered this is hard. (laughs) And this is a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of effort. And without the right support, um, I don't even want to say the word support, but they discovered it was very hard and very overwhelming and it kind of fell by the wayside. So even though the intention is there and the motivation is there, once you're in the thick of it, you know, you're, you're living that life and um, need to implement a communication system. And if it's not working for you, if it's not something that's fast, easy, and functional for the family and they're not ready for it, you can't push them. You can't make them ready. You can try and problem solve and you can come up with maybe a routine that works, you know, or requesting for one thing or whatever it is so that you're still moving forward with that system that you want to move forward in. But what are you going to do the rest of the day? It's, you know, you still need to come up with strategies with an S that are going to work when you're in the car, when you're at the store, when you're at the grocery store, when you're at the park, when you're in the bathroom. Um, So that's why I say fast, easy, functional. It has to be. It it just has to be. And at the end of the day, if the parent feels like 
they are making progress. The child is making progress and they are able to implement everyday learning opportunities, everyday learning strategies. Boom. I've done my job. I feel like the best quote I ever heard, um, was on a video and it was one of Russian Sheldon's videos. Um, I'll try and post it on the, on the pod, on the, on, on the Instagram, on Instagram. (laughs) I'll try and post it on Instagram. If I find it, I'll find it. I'll look for it. I promise. And I think it was, um, Dathan Rush that said, there is not, you're not going to be coming to this family's house every, every week. Eventually there isn't going to be a home visit. Your job is to work yourself out of a job. And I feel like if I've done that, by the time they get to three, I've done my job. If I can work myself out of that home to where they feel successful, I've done my job. And just to circle back now to the conversation I had with my team member, I think that's what she needs to figure out, that this is our job in the home and school will figure out school. It is not my job to figure out what's going to work or how to prepare this child for school. I'm trying just to focus on the caregivers and the child and enhancing those learning opportunities that they have every day and all day. That is going to wrap up this episode of Rainbows and Rain. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any feedback for the podcast, you can email it to me at erikabo80 at gmail.com. But you can also DM me on Instagram. So please don't forget to rate, review, and follow the podcast. And I hope you check out another episode of Rainbows and Rain.